The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Lynette's Shrimp House, located in Highland Park. It's Metro Detroit's premier destination, serving juicy fried shrimp, fish, and wings, alongside soul food sides and new additions to the menu, like turkey tacos and desserts. Located at 13548 Woodward in Highland Park, just north of the Davidson, Lynette's is open for takeaway, noon to 8, Tuesday and Thursday, noon to 10 p.m. Friday and Saturday, and noon to 5 p.m. on Sunday. Call now, get some Lynette's. Hey, greetings, everybody. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Very glad to have you with me today. And we've got a really interesting guest today, somebody who's been involved in a number of great projects here in the city of Detroit and the Detroit metro region. And now that includes the opening of a new charter school in Detroit's North End neighborhood called the Orchard Academy School of Excellence. My guest today is Rabbi Yisrael Pinson, who is joining me today. Hello, sir. It's a pleasure to have you here. And and before we get started, I, I need to let people know, if you're watching the video and you see him outside, he decided to do this even though he lost power at his house. And he went, drove to get to a place where he had good signals so he could do this today. So I'm certainly appreciative. I think everybody else should be, too. Thank you very much, sir. It's a pleasure to have you here. Good morning, Craig. It's a pleasure to be on the show. And I'm a big fan. And, well, uh, I, it's an honor for me to be part of uh, your media adventures in Detroit <laughs> these days. <laughs> well, it is an adventure, uh, I'll tell you that. But um, and and I've been a fan of your work for a long time too. Um, and I do want to talk about the ribbon cutting that just took place just a few days ago uh, at this new academy. Uh, but your your you know your way of getting here to Detroit in itself is is a great story. Um, and of course, many people may already know you if they saw you with the Twisted Storytellers, perhaps, uh, or they read something about uh, Chabad in Detroit. Um, and, and I want you to talk to people a little bit about the mission of that organization, what that really is, because it, it's not it's not a temple. It's more an extension of your home, correct? That's exactly correct. Um, about eight years ago, um, I was at the grand opening of the uh, Whole Food in Midtown, and um, uh, Sue Mosey pointed to uh, this row of houses on Mac Avenue. He said, she said, you know, Rabbi, you're looking for location. This is where you need to be. And what we were looking for was a home for my family that can serve as an extension to welcome people who want to practice uh, spiritual Judaism, uh, educational Judaism, cultural Judaism, um, and everything but religion. Um, we find that most people are confused about what religion is. So, you know, this is not necessarily something that the generation uh, of uh, Detroit uh, newcomers and old timers are looking for. So we decided to just do a home, a Jewish home, and uh, invite people, Jewish and not Jewish for that matter, come and do uh, Friday night dinners with us. It's our signature program. We have big outdoors. Uh, we do barbecues. We do all the things that people like to do outdoors. And uh, th the main thing is that we're building community. We're, we're looking to serve the people who, who uh, live, work, and play, uh, study, and volunteer uh, south of 8 Mile. But also we want to invite people who otherwise would not cross 8 Mile from the suburbs to come and enjoy the city, have another reason to come down, uh, see people, uh, do something that they're familiar doing in a new setting, and meanwhile, come and see the city and decide, oh, this is a nice place. I would like to move here. I would like to work here. I would like to play here. 
Well, and, and I mean, this is not something that you just sort of thought up. This is something that goes back generations in your family and, and in your and you're a branch of the faith. Um, you know, this seems to be a really, really important part of, of practicing what you preach, so to speak. Correct. Um, my, I'm a fourth generation Chabad rabbi. Uh, my great grandfather came as an emissary to the United States from Eastern Europe in 1924, I believe. Um, and he opened uh, one of the Chabad, first Chabad branches and headquarters moved from uh, during the war in 1941 to the United States. Since then, um, my, my grandparents served as uh, educational uh, directors of a school in the Bronx, and my other grandparents opened a Jewish school in Morocco in 1953, and then in, in Tunisia in 1960. And my grandmother, who's alive and well, is still running the only Jewish school in uh, in Tunisia um, some 60 years later. And um, my parents moved to Nice, France, uh, to open educational ed- uh, institutions in 1976, where I was born. So I'm I'm born and raised uh, for the first. 12, 13 years of my life in Nice, France. And the reason I chose Michigan when I got married is I came here for the weather. Um, <laughs> of where course. else can you get four seasons every day? So, you know, n- n- nothing that I was, uh, was used to. But I-, I started here in Michigan at uh, Friendship Circle. Uh, people may be familiar with the Purple Magnets. Uh, sure. We help children with special needs. This is my wife worked. I opened up a branch for people recovering from drugs and alcohol called the Friendship House. Uh, we built community there. But eventually, um, 2011, 2012, I took interest of what's happening in Detroit. And the truth is that people told me, you know, don't believe the hype. We've been here. Detroit coming back is a news item every 20 years, but it, it, it you know, it fades away. Don't, don't, don't get involved. You know, keep your head down, do what you're doing in the suburbs. And I said, well, I'm not from here. I, I want to believe. So, so I went down there and started going regularly and, um, you know, I fell in love with, uh, with, with Detroit's, uh, you know, the hustle, the grit and, uh, doing new things and participating in, 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 in um, change in perception of, of, of what the place could be and f- seeing the potential really in every individual and in every opportunity to transform whatever it is into something good. Um, it, it, you might have heard of what we do also through Menorah and the D, because this was a, a, a transformational opportunity at the time. This is 11 years ago. There was very little happening on campus marshes, and people were looking, recruiting organizations to do something. And when you know, some of my buddies, Benji Rosenzweig and the Shulman West Bloomfield, we said, let's, you know, let's light a menorah uh, next to the tree. And, um, you know, it, it turned in, into Detroit tradition today where thousands of people come down. You know, last Hanukkah, we, we had to be, uh, uh, you know, virtual uh, because of, of COVID restrictions, but we still at the menorah downtown. And, you know, this is definitely something that we're doing, not just for the Jewish community, but for the whole city, try to do something positive and take opportunities and transform them to something beautiful. Well, Rabbi Pinson, I mean, I, I do want to ask you a little bit about, you know, that that educational background that you clearly have and your family has. As you mentioned, your parents owned a school or opened a school in Nice. Your grandparents are still operating, you know, your grandmother's still operating school. You decide to do the same thing, but you take a different tack than the family. Uh, this is not a religious school. This is a charter school, the Orchard Academy School of Excellence. Um, it is uh, on the Stockwell method, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and of course, chartered by Central Michigan University. Uh, what made you decide that, that that was the type of school that you wanted to open as opposed to sort of following the family tradition? Well, I saw how much pain and how much, uh, you know, 
personal sacrifices my family had to make uh, to open those schools and keep those schools open. So I, 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 I promised myself that I will never, ever open a school. So that's <laughs> why I didn't open a school until now. However, when I got to Detroit and I start talking to young people and to young families and everyone is talking about this beautiful, beautiful coming back in businesses and the arts and the sports and uh, the, the medical centers. And there's one component that makes a city great city, which is education. And, you know, I, I love, I love what the PSCD is doing right now. I love the work of Dr. Vitti. Um, but I, f- I found that there's still you know, something that I can bring to the table. And, and what I can bring to the table, in my opinion, is creating a model of education that does not focus on academics alone, but has a mission of instilling in children a sense of mission and purpose in life. And this is right, fits right into the vision of Chabad and the worldwide movement and the, the, the leadership of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, which, you know, led the movement uh, and, and, you know, and still inspires the movement, is that we look at every child as a potential of a game changer for the world. And we make sure that they feel that they deserve love and that they are, they matter, that they matter. And unfortunately, what, what in most schools don't have the bandwidth to focus on anything else besides academics. Uh, unfortunately, this is how our system works. So I was envisioning a, a, a school where we would look at the, the child, the whole child, not just um, the way they study, but certainly the way they study. And I can t- talk more about it soon in the Stockwell model, but also the way they live and their social emotional needs. And um, through CMU, I was acquainted with the school in, in, in Heartland, Michigan, the, the Cheryl Stockwell Academy, that, that the Stockwell model pretty much fulfills all the things that I uh, thought would, would, would make this um, a, a great school. So the, the goal of the Orchard Academy is not uh, to serve as many students as possible. Actually, it's just to demonstrate a concept. We, we plan to remain a single a facility and a small school, uh, no more than 150 students in K-5. And our goal is to check it out uh, for everybody. And once this model pans out, and I don't know how many years, our goal is to offer it to all public schools uh, for free to replicate and to uh, use if they so wish in their schools. Uh, well, you know, interestingly enough that, that you talk about sort of alternative ways of, of educating kids. And I almost wonder if, in your opinion, that's really possible within the current public school framework or even private school framework. Uh, you know, schools that have done things differently, like the Friends School in Detroit uh, is not there anymore. I mean, Detroit Waldorf has done their own thing for a long time as well. I mean, are you sort of looking at yourself as similar to those institutions that you're going to be the right fit for for certain certain types of kids? Yeah, I mean, I, I can talk more about the model, and you can see why um, we have great hopes for this model. I mean, it's been in 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 in, uh, in, in the real life in Heartland, Michigan, for uh, over twenty years. One hundred percent of all um, children and students graduate to um, to universities. There's over a thousand students K to twelve in, a, in you know surrounded by great public schools in Brighton and Heartland. Um, so the model is a model that works. 
in real life. It hasn't been yet tried in the urban setting. But once we talk about the details of uh, the model, you will understand why there's great hope and why it actually fits for Detroit. And it can really fit um, for, for every school out there. Um, the, the, um, the other point that I want to make about our school staying here for the long haul is from the beginning, we made a plan that we're never going to make money and we're not even going to break even. In other words, if we lose money, it just means that we need to raise more money, not that we need to readjust the model or change the program. We are committed to the program 100%, no matter how much it costs. And some friends put together a foundation, the Mission and Purpose Foundation, to raise money to fill the gap of all the regular expenses and any other expenses that come forth because we're sticking to the program. So we really want to demonstrate a model. We're, we're a nonprofit. We're investing in demonstrating the model. That's our goal. Well, I've always said that uh, a profit motive doesn't belong in either education or healthcare. But hey, that's that's a different story for another day. Um, oh, let's 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 dive in a little bit. What what separates the Stockwell model from from traditional educational systems? How give me an idea of some of the features that exist there. Um, my favorite feature, uh, which exists in other models also, is mastery of learning. Mastery of learning. Um, you know, in the Stockwell model, there's no grades. There's no grades one, two, three. There's no grades A, B, C. Why? Because every child will learn everything at their own pace. And every child comes in in the beginning. We're recruiting for K-1-2. We're not recruiting for higher classes. Even in future years when we're going to add the classrooms, we're still going to recruit a K-1-2 because it's the best time to start. But mastery of learning, the philosophy of mastery of learning means that every single child learns 100% of every unit before moving on to the next unit. Um, in the traditional school system, there is an average. There's a minimum grade. And as long as you pass the average or pass the minimum grade, you move on to the next unit and to the next unit. And at the end, you, you move on to the next grade the next year when everyone in your age group moves on to the next, um, the next grade. In this model, every child is independent. If you think about um, the way we, in public schools, deal with people who have disabilities and learning disabilities, we, we, we have an IEP, Individual Education Plan. And in, in, in the Stockholm model, every single child has an IEP. In, in other words, every child is tested and evaluated in many ways to find out what way they learn, which way they learn. We, we believe that every child has the capacity to learn everything if they start from the beginning slowly and we don't skip steps. We don't allow for a gap of literacy to build up. It's like you would build a house and you build a basement only 90%, and then you say, okay, let's put on the first floor anyway. It's already 90% okay. And then the first floor is going to be only 70%, and then you say, oh, well, we just got to build a second floor. we got to be on schedule over here. So, And then you know this whole thing collapses. So the mastery of learning is, is also tied into what we call high expectations. We tell every child, you are going to learn everything. We're not going to give up on you. We're never going to label you as a problem child because we are going to find a way for you to learn the information. We're not going to say, we're not going to give up on you and say you have a learning disability. We're going to call it a teaching disability until we figure out how you learn, because we know that you can. And if we build you up slowly with all the building blocks, then we believe that every child will achieve um, full literacy in math and reading uh, uh, by fifth grade. They will be above average and beyond above average uh, for the state of Michigan and for the United States.
Well, that, that's a level of personal attention, I would think, that that probably doesn't exist in a lot of settings out there right now, given given budgetary concerns that every district has been dealing with over the years. And, and frankly, changing philosophies in, in what matters. Um, you know, we, we seem to be content to, to build cogs for the machine as opposed to, you know, creating individual learners. Uh, this is something that I think a lot of people are going to resist, uh, at least on, on a larger scale, just right. because of the resource intensity. Right. And, 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 and the larger scale is not our concern right now. You know, Craig, there's 50,000 children that go every day to Detroit public schools, and there's another 30,000 that leave Detroit every day to go study elsewhere. Yeah. Um, this year, our total capacity for K-1-2 is 60 children. So we're not looking for masses of people to come in. We're looking for a, a small amount of parents that want to try something new, want to try something different. Maybe their children have not fit into whatever system there's uh, going on here. Maybe because of COVID, they didn't get a chance to go to school. They were not, didn't have the privilege to have a private pod and their schools were not in person and the kids couldn't do, deal with the, with the, with, with the electronics or, or the parents were not available to help them. Whatever the reason is, we're looking for 60 children ages K-1-2 and it doesn't matter where the numbers are because we're very flexible in space and like I said, there's no grades. We will use our space and our, our staff to uh, manage each individual learning plan for each child and move them a- along as they need. Now, in five years from now and 10 years from now, yes, maybe we will be able to say this is how a child walks into middle school after doing five, six years at Orchard Academy. And we are willing to come into your school and help you develop this model. And maybe then we will be having great acceptance or or we will be proven wrong and we'll you know close our doors and say or you know this is this this doesn't work i believe it works i've seen it work and most importantly the values that are behind the system which is believing that every child has a high potential every child could achieve anything that um we give them opportunity to do um the capacity to have intrinsic motivation instead of external reasons for doing things, uh, love of learning, um, and character development. There is literally a character development curriculum that is part of the school program. It's not something that we have, you know, um, kindness week or things like that. This is a curriculum that was developed by the Stockwell Academy with a grant from the federal government many years ago that we're going to, to, to replicate. It's based on role models in American history. Okay, this is not a religious school. We're not using any religious symbolism of any religion, no religion at all. We're a spiritual school in terms that we speak to the spirit of every child, and we believe in the spirit of every child, and we want to nurture that spirit for them to turn into beautiful trees that bear beautiful fruits. Orchard Academy. You know, I, I want to sort of link this too to your choice of, of location uh, and the facility itself. Uh, you are in an old CVS uh, that had been uh, closed down. Uh, I sort of I like the metaphor of, of using a space that had been left behind a little bit in a neighborhood, frankly, that has seen a ton of disinvestment up in the north end in Detroit. Uh, why was it important for you to locate there? And, and, and I mean, do you see the school as being sort of a building block to to sort of recreating that neighborhood in, in a way? Absolutely. Um, so when we came to Detroit, I told you earlier, Sumozi pointed out to uh, to Mac Avenue. We, we we thought we want to be in the in the heart of quote unquote the new Detroit, the greater downtown Detroit, seven point two miles at the time they called it. Um, but after a few years, we we understood that you know the the life of um, 
of Detroit is way beyond uh, that small piece of, 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 of land, uh, you know, those 139 square miles. Um, at the time, we had a friend who, who was a big, uh, you know, neighborhood activist in, uh, in North End. He still is. He runs MUFI, the Michigan... Um, Ur- yep, Urban Farming Institute. Urban Farming Institute, yes. Yeah, I know, I know um, them well. So, so Tyson uh, said, you got to open the school in North End. So I started walking the streets up and down, going to parks, meeting neighbors, um, going into churches, and and literally, we fell in love with the neighborhood and its potential and its location. The truth is that if you look at where we are, the CVS um, at Calvert and Woodward, we are really ten minutes away from anywhere in Detroit. Mm-hmm. But we're also, and you're not going to believe this, but we're also ten fifteen minutes away from the inner suburbs, and we are actually recruiting from the suburbs. We believe that our school can be attracting new children to Detroit from the suburbs because it offers a value that's not available uh, out there. So we, 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 we like this. Um, we tried working with different locations. It's one of the hardest things to do. Absolutely. Uh, the charter school is to, to find the correct building and the correct landlord and the correct. So this, this opportunity came. Um, really, I was driving down Woodward with my kids. I was showing them another facility across the street that we're trying to get. And my son said, well, this CVS is for lease. And I'm like, oh, oh. And I called um, one of our board members, Benji Rosenzweig, who's a, a, a real estate broker. And I said, what's with the CVS? She says, you want it? I'm like, I want to look at it. And uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's basically a, it's a blank slate. You know, I hate to use that metaphor when we're talking about Detroit because you know, well, you know how people react to that. But yeah. I mean, it's got to be flexible uh, in terms of setting it up the way you want. People couldn't believe it. When we did the, the, the ribbon cutting, we invited people to come in and they're like, oh my God, this is so big. And I'm like, yes, yeah, so CVS is 11,000 square feet. And we literally had an open floor. And you know, the good folks at IDS out in Troy um, came up with a plan that matched our vision and also matched the model because this is specific architectural features that have to do with the model of how the classes are set up because we're putting uh, 40 kids in a room with two teachers uh, and, and, and flexible space. There was no like, you know, desks and chairs and anything like that. Everything's flexible. Um, so, so, so they saw the space and, and they created something beautiful. Um, we had, we have great branding, the colors, everything is intentional. It's just a, it's a beautiful space and it takes something that, um, that was eyesore, I would say on Woodward Avenue. It just yesterday, I got a phone call from the construction crew there. They're finishing some, you know, small things. So DTE is here. Did you know DTE is here? I said, no, why is DTE here? I said, he said, I don't know. They're setting up tents and stuff. So I said, well, have them call me. And I get a phone call from DTE public relations to say, excuse me, sir, we apologize. We thought this was an abandoned CVS. And um, there's a power outage. So we're setting up our trucks with ice and, and stuff for the neighbors. I said, man, it's not abandoned, but you're so welcome. Please, you know, use our parking lot and, and do this. This is what we're looking for. We want to, you know, build a beautiful playground that's going to be open to the whole neighborhood, not just our children. We want to activate the space, not just for the children that are going to come eight to four every day, the 60 children. Um, we want to activate it to all, the whole neighborhood. We invite everyone to, you know, to come up with ideas. Well, Rabbi Pinson, I've got one more question for you, and, and you briefly mentioned COVID uh, and, and some of the challenges that, that kids faced in the last year. I mean, 
in a weird way, is this an opportunity to open a school post COVID? I mean, because it seems like there are parents now that are reevaluating a lot of their choices with their kids based on what happened last year and, and rethinking that, Hey, maybe it's time to do something different. Is this a, a unique time to try this? Well, we tried opening last September um, and it, it didn't pan out because of COVID. Uh, people were just not sure yet. Sure. We thought that COVID would actually be a reason why people would want to have a smaller school and individualized plan, but it, it was a little too early. We ended up doing a, um, a the, the foundation sponsored a, a small private pod for the seven children that didn't enroll and they had free education on the, on the level they never had before uh, right here in the North End. But um, the idea that post-COVID we're going to rethink is absolutely a, uh, a correct uh, thought. You know, privately, my wife and I are thinking the same thing for our children. Collectively at Chabad, we're thinking how we're going to do something different, not going back to pre-COVID. And I think for a lot of people, um, they don't want to go back to pre-COVID. They want to find new ways to do things with the lessons that we learned from COVID. So definitely a, a new option for them is, is, uh, is available. Uh, it's not for everyone. Some people say, I, I don't want to send my kid to a new school. I say it's a replication of a school of excellence, but still, it's a new school. I get it. Um, but I, I do think that uh, we, we're adding value uh, to the neighborhood. We're adding value to the educational landscape in the city. And, you know, uh, even your sponsors are just uh, a mile north of us. <laughs> yes, that's uh, true. You know, so let all the people, uh, the Godelinets, come and check out the school. We're, we're a mile south of the Davidson. All right. Well, uh, Rabbi P uh, Pinson, we certainly do appreciate your time today. And, and I want to let people know if you want more information about the school itself, orcharddetroit.org is the website. You can find all kinds of information about enrollment, everything else. Uh, and and I, I wish you nothing but success. I mean, it's a it's a really interesting concept. And, um, you know, we could use all the options we can get in the city. So uh, congratulations. Thank you so much, Craig. All right. That's uh, Rabbi Yisrael Pinson joining us here on the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. I really do appreciate all of your support. Don't forget, if you like this podcast, it's important that you share it, that you rate this podcast, and that, of course, you subscribe to this podcast. It all helps. And the more sponsors we get, the more interviews we can do, the more shows I can put together. And I certainly do uh, want to make sure that you are enjoying what you're listening to. So if you have suggestions, you can reach out to me. The Craig Folly Show at gmail.com. Again, that's the Craig Folly Show at gmail.com. You can get through to me that way. It's very, very easy to do. And you can find me on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Snapchat, just about anywhere. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. Deadline Detroit has some of the best journalists in the city. We're asking you to support independent local journalism by joining our $3 a month membership. By joining, you become eligible to win prizes, including tickets for sporting events and gift cards to some of Detroit's best restaurants. Just go to our website and click the ad at the top or go to www.deadlinedetroit.com membership.